Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the RDO podcast. The boys are back together this week. Thank you, Alex, for joining me this week. <laughs> How you going, brother? Um, I'm much better, seeing as though now I've just survived the Rona. Just survived the Rona. So we, we sort of kept it to ourselves last week. The reason why I ended up doing a solo episode was because Alex got the, the dreaded COV-19. Well, at the time, we didn't know. So I, that is I'll, true. I'll run you through a bit of a, bit of a story. Mm-hmm. I was Monday, fine. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, went to the gym, and then after the gym... Sorry, I went to the gym on Monday as well. Tuesday night, I started to get a scratchy throat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's no good. Anyway, woke up, well, slept in, which is unlike me. Probably slept until like 7.30 or something. Yeah. And then I felt, oh, okay, I'm a little bit tired. Got up, uh, had breakfast, went back to bed at like 10 o'clock. Slept mm-hmm. for two hours, woke up, had lunch. Went back to bed right. for yeah. another two hours. Yeah. Slept like a baby. You know, one of those naps where you wake up in a pool of your own drool. Yeah, yeah. When you're out. Woke up, had dinner. I think I was in bed at 8.30 that night. Mm-hmm. And then the next night, had an afternoon nap at 2 o'clock. And still was scratchy throat, but not, not as scratchy. Mm-hmm. Like, no cough, nothing. Literally just fatigue. Yeah. And then by Friday... I was completely fine. Yeah. Tried to have a nap thinking I needed it. Mm-hmm. And just couldn't. Right. Didn't sleep. Yeah. Went to bed at normal time that night. Mm-hmm. Finally got our hands on some rats. Yeah. Knowing what it was going to say because I was, I was showing signs of Omicron. Yeah. And uh, took the rat test and I was positive. Mm-hmm. And by Sunday... So I, that was Friday that you took the rat test? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By Sunday, I was so freaking bored because I, <laughs> I felt great. I felt yeah. awesome and then thought, no, nah, go back to work. So mm-hmm. Monday, Monday, full day of work on Monday because I had a lot to catch up on because I didn't really do anything over the weekend. Yeah. Gym on Monday night, mm-hmm. went hard. I'm back, baby. Yeah. So when you, because obviously you, you had a feeling that you had COVID well before you actually got the rat. Yeah. Because you can't get them. Because you can't get them, which is by design. But anyway, when you felt like you had COVID, how did you handle it and what did you do? I just stayed at home. So the, the I knew what it was. Mm. We talk about this enough to be pretty aware of like the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I just stayed at home and just rested. Yeah. And, and that was literally... Did you change anything as far as your vitamins go, food or... I did up the D. Yep. I did up the vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't even going outside. Yeah. So I did, uh, and I did double up my zinc intake as well. So I always take zinc. Yep. But I doubled the the dosage of zinc. Cool. Uh, Interesting note on vitamin D before I forget. I listened to a like two hour podcast literally about just vitamin D Mm. the other day. And they had a really interesting point, which was, so in Australia, obviously our sun's pretty harsh. And a lot of people go for morning walks and stuff like that. And obviously you're in the sunshine mm. in the morning. And they feel like that is enough to get adequate vitamin D sure. from sun exposure. But apparently there is an issue in regards to how high in the sky the sun is. Because if it's less than on a 45... If it's on less than a 45 degree angle in the sky because of the amount of ozone it has to get through, the UVB rays actually get 
stopped. Right. So if you're just getting sunlight in the mornings and in the afternoons when it's past that 45 degree angle, you're not actually going to be producing vitamin D. Interesting. Naturally. But if it's above the 45 degree angle, you will be, be producing it. And they were saying that, so with the whole vitamin D thing, again, as far as supplementing and stuff like that goes, if you wanted to actually do it properly, go to a doctor, get your levels checked, see if you're deficient. Apparently, it's extremely high prevalence of people who are vitamin D deficient. And I think it's symptomatic of our society. A lot of us, you know, if we are trying to get fit and healthy, we go for a walk in the morning or walk in the afternoon, but we spend all day in an office. Yeah. Uh, we get taught to avoid the sun in the middle of the day in Australia because it is so harsh. So go and get your vitamin D levels tested. But they're saying that if you spend half an hour in the sunlight in the middle of the day, your body will produce about 10,000 international units of vitamin D. Right which obviously is adequate for day-to-day life, but also for if you're trying to treat COVID, for example. I know um, Peter McCullough's uh, protocol is to get at least 5,000 IUs of, of vitamin D per yep. day. So, yeah, interesting fact. So if you, if you do believe that you're getting adequate vitamin D just from the sunshine, but you're not actually out between sort of 10 and 2 in the middle of the day, you possibly aren't, so maybe get it tested out. Because that's one of the biggest ind- indicators for poor outcomes from COVID. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. So, and the scratchy throat thing may not have even been a symptom of it. It's yeah. just because I was sleeping with the aircon on. Yeah, okay. And I don't usually do that. And it's on like the dry s- function or whatever. No, I didn't have to set to dry function, but I, I never usually respond well to flat out aircon in bed. Mm-hmm. But I've dead set, I've had worse hangovers. Yeah, right. I've had way worse hangovers. Mm. It was purely just fatigue. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just, I literally just stayed home just to stay away from people Mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah, cool. And I guess it's interesting and we spoke about this briefly yesterday, but the psychology of a COVID positive diagnosis is something that is very, very interesting to me at the moment. From a psychological point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Because you handled it in the way that everyone should handle COVID. Mm. Understand it for what it is. Understand that it's if it is Omicron. Look, you might you might have gotten Delta potentially. Mm. Delta's still out there, mm. and Delta is worse than Omicron. But Delta was still not putting the majority of people in hospital yeah. or in serious illness. Most people were still treating themselves at home. I you, still had taste and smell. That's why I didn't think it was Delta. Yep, fair yep. point. You're you're not in a high risk group to die from mm. COVID or to have severe outcomes from COVID. So the big key for me is to keep the stress levels low. Like, whether you have a positive diagnosis or not, if you've got the symptoms, don't stress about it because there are things that you can be doing. And what I found really, really interesting is because literally, like, I would say 50, 50 to 60% of the people I spend most of my time with in the last three weeks have had COVID. Yep. And... It's a variety of vaccinated, unvaccinated. Uh, the majority of them are vaccinated. Yep. And, I mean, Albert Baller, the CEO of Pfizer, just came out and said, our first two jabs do nothing to stop Omicron or assist with Omicron. We're coming out with an Omicron-specific vaccine. Take that for what it is. He could just be trying to sell new shots. He yep. could be legit. Who fucking knows at this point in time? But... Obviously, the vaccination doesn't seem to stop you from actually getting the infection. So the key is when you do get infected to handle it properly. And the issue that I've got is the media has fed people two years worth of fear porn about COVID. So I know people who are full hard out red pillars 
who have gotten symptoms can't get a rat and the anxiety of even thinking, oh, I might have COVID, is keeping them up at night. Yeah. They're, so they're not sleeping. I've seen that too. Right? And we know that sleep's so important for recovery. So the key is this, like educate yourself. We've spoken about a million different things, but there are things that you can do to uh, make your immune system stronger in general but support your immune system to overcome COVID, whether you are vaccinated or not, the same things. Yep. Research those things. So if you get symptoms, do those things straight away. And hopefully it will assist you in having a better outcome. What I was really surprised about is the amount of friends of mine that were like adamant that I go get a PCR. And mm. I'm like, why? And this is this uh, last week was really the height of the issues with testing, right? Yep. That was the absolute apex of that issue. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you just need confirmation. You need to get confirmation. Like, For what purpose? For what? And then they're like, oh, what if... And then you've got to ring everyone that you know. And yep. Like, no, man. Everyone needs, just needs to handle like this. If mm. you feel sick, deal with it, right? Yep. Just just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what if people have kids... That, and by that, deal that, with that it, gonna... you mean do the right thing, stay at home. Because yeah. that's the other thing, too. Does it, If you get a negative PCR test and you've just got... I, I can't even say the flu because the PCR test can't distinguish between COVID and the flu... But let's say you got a negative rat test, because maybe that can only pick up COVID. Yep. And if you've only got the flu, getting a negative rat test, does that mean that you should go out in the community? No. No, exactly. It means it. you should stay home and not, not attempt to get people sick. But it's, it, it is interesting, and, and that's that psychology thing. Like, everyone is so... Uh, programmed. I think it's programmed. Hundred percent. They've been programmed to. That's that's what you need to yep. do. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. Mm. And I said to I said to these guys like, that's the problem. Yeah. So what? Like, you're trying to get me into a system. And look, it's out of a place of love. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. get that. They are they are caring for me. So mm. I I appreciate that. Mm. But the irrationality behind it is 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 mental. And and that's why you have these cues. Yeah. At these testing facilities. People who have no symptoms, who have been near someone a week ago who has then come out and had to do the ring around, like they've got an STD, yeah. call all my sexual partners. That, that's my other big thing too. How do you know? Why are we assuming that like we are we know how to contact like because now contact tracing's on us, right? Yeah. How how do I know where I got it? You don't There's no way that you can tell. And see this is And then and the info is irrelevant, mm. right? Yep. Because what are you going to do? If you you're, see... you're just going to disrupt life for other people. Really. For no reason. And mm. it's interesting, right? So, like, I've been thinking a lot about the whole, the whole situation and the programming aspect of it. And to me, the two biggest keys with COVID hysteria is that for the last two years we were told that asymptomatic spread was a thing when it's not. Mm -hmm. And we were told that you are at peak in like infectiousness two days before you start showing symptoms, Mm -hmm. which I also believe to be bullshit Mm. because the whole theory behind it is so with COVID as a disease and Omicron's slightly different, but with COVID, at the beginning of your infection, it's mainly located in your nasal passage. And the, in the first few days, those cells are sort of rapidly multiplying in there. And so, look, there is a, there is a possibility that just before your body starts exhibiting some real symptoms because you're starting to get really ill, you might have enough in there that you're going to be breathing sure. it out. And, 
right? But just because you've started showing symptoms doesn't mean that those cells stop replicating. Yeah. So I would assume that someone who is showing severe symptoms, coughing, sneezing, and spluttering, etc., is more highly likely to have a higher viral load and actually have the mechanisms happening in the body to shoot that stuff out into yeah. the public. So it just goes back to... So with this programming thing and the fear thing, like we've spoken about a million times before, it was... Everyone's been trained to be scared of an invisible enemy. Yeah. Because we were told, even if someone shows no symptoms, they're the ones who are getting you sick because yeah. they're asymptomatically spreading the virus. Yeah. And people are terrified. And it's, it's painting people's behaviour. And... Robert Malone's thing that he did on Rogan's about the um, the mass formation psychosis was super interesting because one of the biggest points out of that for me was that he goes, the data no longer matters. Yeah. And you see this when you speak to people. Like I've had conversations during the week with people who are like, aren't you, like, you need to get vaccinated because Omicron's spreading everywhere. And I'm like, but why? The data clearly shows, like, in my age group, I haven't looked at the numbers, but you would have heard me run through them the other week, there was like 80,000 people in my age group who had had the disease at the time, and 20 of them had died. The, and again, look, there was, there was two cases of guys in their 30s that died last week. One was vaccinated, one was unvaccinated. Mm. So, you know, from that's 50-50. Yeah, it's hard to say what it does, if, it, if any efficacy, yeah. because there seems to be... Well, there's, there's, it's the chicken or the egg thing, yeah. right? It's, it, are these people having better outcomes because they're vaccinated or are these people having better outcomes because Omicron isn't as severe? And now all the news stories are out talking about how, oh, now doctors are suggesting that Omicron is less severe, which the doctors in South Africa suggested when this thing kicked off yeah. two months ago. I was waiting for that. That, that was r- really a defining moment when they just kept saying, we just don't know. We just don't know. We just yeah. know. Okay, well, with Delta, you knew. Yeah. When Delta came out in America, you knew. You yep. told us straight away. But this Omicron, oh, we just don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know. But we know get boosted. Oh, we know That's get boosted. That's right. We know the booster's going to help you. And then you, re- if you, from a Queenslander's point of view, the moment that it kicked off is when we let vaccinated people come into the state. That's what... Yeah. That was the day mm. it went crazy. But also, think, think about... Sorry, from a Queensland perspective, the... The new run of mandates, which is teachers, childcare workers, and uh, people who work at prisons, whatever they're called, write in the comments, they, that mandate was brought in, and Anastasia Palaszczuk and her speech said, because the uncertainties around Omicron, we're bringing in these mandates. Mm. Fast forward till now. So that was November 30, I believe, was when that press conference was held, and she made those changes. Yep. So then they had the vaccine man. Obviously, our partners are both teachers, so we we follow the teacher thing very closely. And the mandate was you need to have your first dose by the seventeenth of December and your second dose by the twenty third of January. And all the schools were supposed to let the government know by the tenth of January what the status was, yeah. and what, what the issue is. So fast forward until now, and now all of a sudden, even though you put these mandates in place, well, they're pushing back school for two weeks, and then they. Uh, Again, no consultation with the teaching community or the unions or anyone. Push the school year back by two weeks and then they planned on having them uh, work an extra two weeks at the end of the year. But at the same time, still want teachers to prepare things like online learning yeah. and all that shit. So then you go, okay, what was the point of the mandate? Yeah. Right? Because the whole point of the mandate beforehand was because kids need to go to school and we need the school year to start uninterrupted. 
Well, then you put the mandate in place and we're interrupting the start of school. So what was the point? Yeah. And when you look at the data on preventing the spread of COVID, clearly the vaccine's doing nothing to prevent the spread of COVID. The masks are doing nothing to yeah. prevent the spread of COVID. So we still had to push the school year back. Now, there was a theory flying around the interwebs that uh, one of the teaching unions had told their members who didn't want to get vaccinated to leave it until the last minute to let their school know. And that about 20,000 teachers had said they weren't getting vaccinated. And the reason why they're pushing back the school year is because they don't actually have enough staff. Can I tell you why I don't buy that? Yeah. Because we had sought some legal advice. Mm-hmm. And most of the lawyers were working with the unions on how to get teachers to comply. There's two different unions, though. So there's the normal teachers' union, and then there's another union called the Red Union. Yeah, I, that's true. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the Red Union that was telling their members, if you're not going to get it, leave it until yeah. the last minute, because that's the only way you're going to actually be able to have the impact. And the timing was remarkable, because the due date to tell your school was like, I think it was Friday the 7th of January, and I'm pretty sure it was on the Sunday that Palaszczuk had the press conference yeah. about moving the school year back. So the yeah. timing just lined up as well. But who knows? Could be right, could be wrong. Who knows? Yeah. I know plenty of teachers, though, that are unvaccinated, don't want to get it, and are literally holding out, hoping that something will change. Yeah. Which, based on the data, data, whatever, should probably change. There, there's a lot to be said for this programming thing, though. And, and the one big one is now they are trying to change the definition of of what we should be looking at, which is case mm-hmm. numbers, mm-hmm. which is what we've been whinging about since the get-go because we yeah. knew that this vaccine doesn't stop cases. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting now that the, the the powers that be are the ones who are now negatively affected by their own programming. That's so right. So you've spent, you've drummed that in for, tw- uh, for two years, mm-hmm. flat out case, 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 daily case numbers, daily days, daily case numbers, mm-hmm. daily days numbers. And... Now, all of a sudden, it's not working in your favour. That's right. And you're trying to unplug us from that. It's mm-hmm. going to take you a long time. That's right. And it's so... That's the interesting thing for me. Because there will be people who will just cop it and, and continue on yeah. and continue to listen. There are plenty of people jumping off, though. And objectively speaking, it, it, it's funny, right? Because that that chicken or the egg argument, it it is so relevant to the conversation around COVID because you've got, so we've got three years worth, well, not three years, but we've got two full years worth of data and the start of this year's worth of data now to go off. Mm. And the first year we had, it was like 28,408 cases, 909 deaths with no vaccines in the first year. In the second year, we had somewhere around 200,000 cases and about 1,300 deaths. So objectively speaking, with vaccines, we had more cases and more deaths mm. in, in the full year. And the argument could be made, well, that's because Delta was more transmissible. Mm-hmm. Therefore, more cases means you've got more deaths but a lower percentage. So mm. you could argue that it was the vaccine sure. that was protecting people. However, if you go back to any media or government messaging from last year, it was all about it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah. And you need to remember as well that the the vaccine rollout started in February and was a stepped-out process where you started with healthcare workers first and then you start had old people and then it just sort of stepped out. So it's not like the whole population had a chance to be fully vaccinated by the beginning of the year. So it's like it, it, everyone uses the data, and we do it too, everyone uses the data in the way that suits sure. their argument. 
Now, the issue is, you're like, you're right, the government's tying themselves up in knots. Because if you look, we're not even at the end of the first month of this year, and we've had somewhere around six or 700,000 cases. <laughs> and I don't know what the death number is off the but top it's of my more, head. Like, it's high. Because of the case numbers. Because of the case numbers, yeah. But the thing is, too, so one, one thing that you guys will notice, because you pay attention, is the, the reporting of the data that we receive from the chief health officers and everything like that. And it's all about whenever it's... So let's say you've got 10 people... Sorry, there was a day that there was 11 people in the ICU mm. and six of them were unvaccinated and five of them had serious comorbidities. Yeah. Now, they just make excuses for the vaccinated people being in there. They never say these six people are unvaccinated and all six of them have serious comorbidities. Yeah. So what the programming is are trying to get out there is that... 100% perfectly healthy yet unvaccinated people are in the ICU and the only five people that are in the ICU who are vaccinated have serious health issues anyway. So it's making excuses for the vaccinated people being in the ICU. You see, it's funny because I interpret it differently. Right. So the line to me is there's six, uh, 11 people in the ICU, six people are unvaccinated. Is that right? Or f- yes. Yeah. And how many had comorbidities? The other five. The, the five... So they don't say the other five. They no, say... no, no, they did. In the news article, okay. it said the five that were unvaccinated all had serious comorbidities. Well, what about the other good one that we saw that was interesting wording, a double negative, where uh, the people were all, not... Un... All three in the... All three deaths were not unvaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> which means they were vaccinated. But it's brilliant, right? It's yeah. brilliant because you put the word unvaccinated, you associate death with unvaccinated. That's right. Even though it's a double Everyone negative. Goes, and three you... more unvaccinated people yeah, died because cool. that's all they read. You don't speak in double negatives. No. Yeah. So, so can you yeah. say it again? Because it's ridiculous. All, uh, all three deaths were not unvaccinated. Yeah, something like that. But again, it even it even sounds so dumb to try to say it because it's so unnatural. But it ends on unvaccinated. That's right. And it says deaths in the body and it ends on exactly. unvaccinated. Exactly, you associate deaths with unvaccinated. And look, let's be real. COVID, COVID does kill people. Yeah, let's, sure. let's be honest about it. Comorbidities also kill people too. Absolutely. <laughs> and what's, what's scary, and this is... So one of the things that I think has been the key for us staying sane and also... Holding the line, as your van lady said this week. Legend. Thank you. Is that, and I'll repeat myself again, I say this every couple of weeks, we are not worried about right now, we're worried about the future. We're worried about six months from now, five years from now, 25 years from now. There's stories coming out of Canada at the moment, in certain states or provinces or whatever they're called in in Canada, where they are bringing in uh, fees for unvaccinated Mm. people because of the in quotation marks, extra healthcare burden they're placing on the system. And they're talking big numbers, like $5,000 a year. Yeah. And pro-vax people are celebrating this. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah, fuck those people. And what they don't understand is that that sets the precedent. Yeah. So then anyone in any group who puts any pressure on the healthcare system... At any time. At any time, well, now we can bring in a new fee. So all of you... Alcoholics, cigarette smokers, drug takers, obese people, skydivers, yeah, race car pro- drivers, professional football players, yeah. anyone who puts any extra stress on the healthcare system, well, now you've got this extra fee. Now, we already pay a fee yeah. for yeah. our healthcare system in Australia. Yeah. So, this is a trap and it's a trick. And it's using a buzz term at the time 
And because the programming has been so strong, like expect to see this stuff over here. Look at what's happening in like WA and in the Northern Territory. So just before you, before you move on to those, yeah. I had a conversation with something during the week who is pro the, uh, uh, if you go to hospital unvaccinated with for COVID things, then you should pay for it. And I said, just take a step out of that for a moment, remove COVID and add any other disease into that. How, mm. how do you feel? Oh, but it's a, it's a choice for those people to not get vaccinated. Okay, yeah. What about an alcoholic? Mm. What about an obese person? Yep. It's all a choice. And he's, he looked at me so blankly because I just hit him with like... That's right. This like, logic. It's he, logic. He never even thought of it. Yeah. Never even considered it because mm-hmm. when you get stuck... And the beauty of that programming is yeah. they get they get you stuck in having an argument of something that's stupid. Yeah, and it's and so the, effective. It's so effective. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I was listening to something else, and it was not about COVID, but it was about exposing some sort of corruption or whatever. And the person I was speaking about was a one of those mentalists, like a Darren Brown type mm. character, but not not Darren Brown, different guy. And he was talking about exposing corruption at wordplay and like this hypnosis thing and I think you might have been commenting on on the mass hypnosis yep. type thing that we're going through at the moment and what the people speaking about the matter were saying was they're like isn't it interesting how someone whose whole life has been based around mentally tricking people is the one to call this stuff out and it made me think about us we're salespeople. our whole careers especially early on when you know we worked back in some of the you worked back in the dark old days of car sales mm you were taught a lot of these mental tricks that you can use to get people to do what you want. Mm. So it's interesting to me how we didn't fall for these tricks when we identified them early on. And this wordplay stuff, it's it's so interesting. And I think I feel like it's getting worse as they get more desperate because one of the other things I've noticed as well, I'll read some of these articles that might maybe have a ridiculous clickbaity title designed to get a certain response and then I scroll down in the comments and... There was there was one about Novak and Novak situation, and all these comments were just like, well, yeah, he yeah he should get deported. He broke our rules, but but the thing is, there was like twenty something comments, and it was all a slight variation on the same thing. And I'm mm. like, these are just these are like interns with multiple Facebook accounts putting comments on to make people think that the majority of people are thinking that. That was the way it should have gone. Uh, I, look, it, some of it could be that. I, I do believe that there is some of that kind of stuff happening. But I also think the art form is, in that programming, is making people argue over insignificant issues within, within the major issue. True. And to bring it to a car sales thing, it's, you know, you always try to sell from stock. So when someone said, oh, I want a white Camry, yeah. and you don't have one, where you go, which colour do you prefer, silver or black? Yeah, that's right. And then you start making the argument about silver or black and you've forgotten about the white one <laughs> that they right. came in that, that they wanted. Yep. And that's what I think happens online. That's why I've said to people, like, I do a, a brief flick through the comments to get a, a, a vibe of what, what's happening, but I obviously never engage in it mm. um, because there's, there, there's literally no point. And most, uh, there's a lot of idiots on there. It's a lot of idiots talking about idiot things, mm. okay? Um you need to be aware of you arguing a moot point. Yeah. Don't get trapped so, arguing with someone yeah. over some, the thing that's irrelevant. I had a conversation with someone during the, uh, during the week. He was whinging about no financial support from the government. Mm. Okay. You're, you're, uh, you are trying to argue 
the gaping the gaping wound, right? Yeah, it's a band-aid solution to the gaping yeah, wound. Yeah, but you're not going to the guy with the knife to, to slash the guy open. That's right. That's what you should be arguing, yeah. and that's the constructive thing, and there are things that you can do, Yeah. right? Don't get caught in, in, in the the surface rust. That's right. I had a similar experience on a, I had a Facebook argument with two guys during the week because uh, I, I stopped my self-imposed Facebook status ban and put one up. And my, my post was literally about, essentially, whether you're vaccinated or not, clearly heaps of people are getting uh, Omicron. Mm. And I feel like we could be doing far more to assist people who've got Omicron to stop them from going to hospital. Mm. And I'm getting really sick of everyone pretending they care about frontline healthcare workers when we're not actually doing anything at home yeah. to stop them going from ho- to hospital. And these two guys who... My mate tagged in. Shout out to Mitchell. Yeah, it, was funny. Funny. it was funny. He, he did. Uh, he did, he did bomb you. Yeah. <laughs> he um, did parachute drop some behind enemy lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well played, sir. Yeah. But uh, these guys, all they want—they were just vaccine apologists. All they wanted to do is defend the vaccine. And I'm like, stick on the point. The point was not about bashing vaccines. My point is, whether you're vaccinated or not. Let's say you are vaccinated. If you've got the disease. What else can we do yeah. to stop you from going to hospital? And they kept going back to it and they're like, well, that's the point of the vaccines. Like, I get that, but they've already got it. So, and then one of the guys was like, well, you know, how about this? If you've got, if you've got a positive test, no symptoms, you know, just stay home and, it's, and you'll be fine. If you've got positive test and uh, mild symptoms, then take paracetamol, ibuprofen, blah, blah, blah moderate tests, severe symptoms, go to hospital. Is that good enough for you? And I said, no, I want something that stops these positive test mild people turning into positive test severe people. Yeah. What can we do for those people? Yeah. Because for two years now, the frontline COVID critical care alliance has had a protocol that they have used to successfully treat our patients for COVID in America. We still do nothing in Australia. Our, we, there's been news story after news story from like ABC and stuff like that recently saying what to do if you get COVID. The first thing is always stay home and call your all, all your sexual partners and yeah. <laughs> tell them that you're a disease plague rat. The second thing is, oh, make sure you've stocked up on paracetamol. It's like paracetamol stopped you feeling the pain. It doesn't, tr- it doesn't help it's your treat, body yeah. fix the disease. But that is the definition of the programming. And that That's is right. when every single day, multiple times a day, yep. they say vaccines are the best thing That's to... Right. Um, uh, uh, what is the line? I tried to block it out. What is the Vaccin- actual line? Vaccination is still the safest and most effective way to prevent severe disease from COVID-19. Yeah, so when you hear that multiple times, that's all you're going to think. And yeah. and a rational person goes, well, hold on. What else can we do? That's right. And, and we should be throwing the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. And Use all the tools in the tool belt. And we know Monash University had done a study here that showed really great thing in 2020, mm-hmm. and we kiboshed it. Yeah. So the fact, even the fact that we're not looking at stuff, even if whatever they're looking at didn't be, happen to be the answer, at least I want to know the results of that study. Mm. Well, see, that's another thing that they, that they brought up. They went straight back to the buzz terms because when I brought up the frontline critical care alliance and their whole uh, protocol, and I had put a link to the protocol, I'm like, this is for your reference if you haven't seen it before. They went straight to shit-talking ivermectin. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ivermectin is one of like 10 different compounds that these guys use in their protocol. Stop talking about it. And then the guy literally goes, you need to stop thinking that ivermectin is a silver bullet. And I'm like, I don't think ivermectin is a silver bullet. 
I think that ivermectin is one of 10 compounds in a structured protocol, an early treatment yeah. protocol, is a way better idea than literally doing nothing. Yeah. Because that's what we do at the moment. Yeah. We literally do nothing. Yeah. And this is not a dig at GPs, healthcare workers, or anything like that. This is a dig at government bureaucrats who've gotten in the way of the doctor-patient relationship and they've stopped doctors from being able to treat people. Yeah. And... As clear as fucking day, we've spoken about it before, about when the TGA banned doctors from prescribing ivermectin for COVID treatment. Because of social media response. Because of social media response. And because of the shortage? Bullshit. Yeah. India makes this shit by the ton. Yeah. It's cents on the dollar to yeah. order this drug. There's more, there's more ivermectin than there are rat tests. Absolutely. And that's another thing too, right? So when you, when you look at the response and you go, at every, at every step of the way our government has failed to plan ahead. It looks like. I every step of the way. With that. So we knew six months ago that by December we weren't going to be going for PCR mm. because the CDC in America had already said that they were going to get rid yep. of it, which is when we do everything that America tells us to do anyway. Yeah. So we knew that. And yet we've rolled into the end of the year with no rats. Now, as we said before, do we actually have no rats, or are they just in a warehouse out the back somewhere being hidden? Well, because... I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I think it's mismanagement because I, I know that because there was a we make the rats in Pinkham Bar in Brisbane, but, they, we, but we don't order those rats. We ordered none of them, mm. and the CEO made some kind of snide remark when I watched because I was I was blown away by that, and that's mm. that's one of the reasons why I added that to our prediction of the future is that we would yeah. move to rats. These guys were on it, mm. and he's like, the Australian government has expressed zero interest in purchasing rats, so they're all going to America. Yeah. Okay, so we knew back then that we had mismanaged yeah. this. And, and at the time, like six months ago, we would have been somewhere in, around the vicinity of 40 million PCR tests year to mm. day. At that, uh, not year to date, sorry. Pandemic oh, today at that point in time. So you would have made the assumption, well, we've used 40 million PCR tests, maybe we should order 40 million rats. Right? Would yeah. that be a sensible decision? Yep. I mean, at the start of the pandemic, we ordered six vaccines for every person in the country. Yeah, we ordered, ordered 150 million, and now we've got more that we've ordered as well. And they're not doing what they say they do. Yeah. <laughs> now, that messaging thing too. So I just want to give a shout out. Uh, last week's video had a lot, of, a lot more views than normal. And I think that was partially because there's a lot of audio viewers that actually came over to YouTube to watch it. So thanks for watching it because obviously you're all uh, I see, yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. Like and subscribe. Send it to yeah, a friend. We, we picked up a couple of extra subscribers this week too. So if you haven't subscribed yet and you are enjoying the content, please subscribe. It does help the channel out. Yeah. Or flat out just send us money. We don't care. Yeah. yeah we'll take cash. It's fine. Crypto. Yeah. Both. Um, but now I completely lost my train of thought. Uh, so a lot of people came on. They watched, they watched the video. Mm. Um, you had a lot of extra people contacting you. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. So... I had a lot of people contact me because obviously with with this programming stuff, I think as adults, it's really easy to, if you are programmed to do something, to not really think twice when it's yourself. Mm. But I had a lot of parents actually reach out to me going, hey, we're fully vaccinated. Uh, I've got a five-year-old child. We didn't know what to do. I've literally done no research into the subject. And after watching, I saw your clip come up and after watching it, now we're not going to get the kids vaccinated. Now, I don't think I did a very good job of explaining why it doesn't affect kids that well, uh, that that badly last week, because th there's a reason why kids have low symptoms, if any at all, when it comes to COVID. 
And it's because of how the virus actually works. So the virus enters human cells. The reason why it looked like it was genetically engineered at the beginning is because this spike protein is the perfect fit for the human ACE2 receptor on mm. your cells. So essentially, say that this is your ACE2 receptor and this is your spike protein, it's perfectly designed to be able to dock in that receptor and then for the COVID cell to be able to put all of its genetic material inside mm -hmm. your own cell and then start to multiply. That's why it's so effective at transmitting. And obviously Omicron is so much more effective as well. The reason why kids don't get bad outcomes from COVID is because biologically speaking, they have far less ACE2 receptors on their cells. So it's as simple as less virus is able to enter their cells, which is why they don't get as sick. Yeah. And it's why old people die because they've got an adult amount of ACE2 receptors and frail bodies. Yeah. Right? So obviously there's all this messaging out in the marketplace at the moment about, oh, got to protect your kids, Omicron surge and the vaccine rollout started last week. And I actually haven't seen many vaccine numbers have you seen any numbers reported? I haven't been able to watch the news that much. I have... <laughs> the only thing I'll say is I noticed that Queensland's numbers are moving at an absolute snail's pace to the right. point where a couple of weeks ago they've added the second decimal point. <laughs> and, and they're... Because we were at 89 point something something mm. a week ago and they're only predicting that we're going to reach 90 in like another week's yeah, time. Yeah. It's moving so slow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to, the kid one, I don't know. I know bookings are talking about... Um, they're building demand. They're building... Yeah, I, I did find this... Really, and, and let's make sure we get back to yours. But I noticed uh, Darth talking about having 5,000 bookings and to go and make the bookings and then being really happy when it went to 25,000 bookings. Um, but that was in two different days, right? Mm-hmm. But I also noticed that they would put a fear campaign in between that time and then check what the bookings are to get the response. Yeah. Right? So you can directly say, this is the messaging we put out and this is, this is the response That's we right. get in the public. And so a real little thing I noticed is, what's the new CHO in Australia? Uh, Dr. Gerard or something? Gerard okay. something. So there was a press conference that I watched and when Darth talked about bookings, big smile. When... When the CHO talked about boosters, he rubbed his hands together. All right. I found that really interesting. I was, I was watching with Tasha. I'm like, did you see that? Did you mm. see that? Hands, oh, he's quite animated. He's quite an animated yeah, guy, yeah. but never rubbed his hands together. And as soon as he got to it, the numbers of booster shots, he rubbed his hands together. Interesting. Yeah, I found it I really... I love that body language stuff. Yeah. I was watching the... I'm embarrassed to say it. I was watching The Project the other night. Because it just happened to come it on. It should the, be embarrassed. One of the TV sucks. And they're talking about unless um, Nazim Hussein's on it. He's hilarious. He was on it actually. Yeah. But they were they were talking about uh, vaccinating kids and that the the. Let me guess. Was... They're pro that. Yeah, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. Let the, me guess. Every single one of them is pro that. They are the pro jack. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pro and inject. They, and they project themselves. Yeah. On, they on are pro their... inject. Yeah. But what was interesting is former Australian netball Liz Ellis was on. And right. obviously, being a former sports, she does a lot of media stuff now, but not as trained as a media person. Yeah. And obviously, they hasn't been given the brief. Mm. Well, they have given her the brief, but she can't hide her body language. So they'd swung to her for her to do her little quip 
which is supposed to sound natural, but you know it's on a screen and she's reading it straight off the screen about how good it is to vaccinate kids. And I was watched her because they, they made the mistake of putting the side angle camera on yeah. her instead of the frontal one. And as she sang it, she crossed her arms below the desk. Oh. So she completely didn't believe in what she yeah. was saying. And I, I pointed out to Amanda straight away and I'm like, see that? Like, it, body language doesn't lie. Unless you're a specialist in it yeah. and someone who's had to use it every single day, it doesn't lie. And like, obviously this, this chief health officer, I don't think anyone in the state had ever heard of him before he took over the job. Shit he's job. not... He, well, it's not a shit job. It's like, he, he'd be getting paid, son. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Get these beasters in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, su- super interesting. Watch body language. Yeah, but it, it, it's hard for the layman to just understand what... That is true. And this comes back from our sales backgrounds. Like, our jobs used to be reading people every single day. And it would be as simple as... The reason why body language is so important is because we're trying to steer people in a direction that we want them to go. And if you throw something out there and then you get these ones, you know, okay, that, that didn't land how I was mm. hoping it would. I need to back off and I need to try something else. Yeah. So we're, we're very... Uh, we're acutely aware of... of, of yeah. Of, of body language and that's that's one thing that I think I'm extremely good at mm. that's uh, the the I almost can see a talent that I had selling was that I could see what um, almost see the encounter from a third person yep. and I could really understand the the, the the way the other person was feeling mm-hmm. um, and that's why some of my long long deals took a long 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 time yeah yeah um, because yeah, sometimes you might have to completely back out, completely you know, completely change the subject, mm-hmm. and, and and come back to it. But yeah, I um, for audio listeners, I'm completely crossed up at the moment, but it's because my body is so sore, <laughs> and <laughs> from, that is the thing too from this work week as well. Crossed arms doesn't necessarily mean dejected. Yeah, no, there are other no. there are other things that it means. Yeah, yeah, there are ailments. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you need to you need to know. But yeah, can we talk about the um, uh, happy cams? Yes. This is a story that I want everyone to follow as closely as you can because there won't really be a lot that you'll be able to sort of latch onto. And this is, so up in Queensland, we've got the WellCamp quarantine facility just opened. And they're changing the name to, it's like the Queensland Recreation and Something Centre or whatever. But it just smells bad. So if if you look into it at all... To give you a brief breakdown, so you'll remember last year, we, our government mentioned that they were building two quarantine camps, facilities, but they're quarantine camps, for people to go into. Now, what's really interesting about this is a, a lot of things. Number one, as of this, well today, when you guys will be listening to this Monday, there's literally no one who is on the list who would need to actually quarantine in a facility anymore. What if you were flying in unvaccinated? Doesn't matter. There's, it's quarantine-free travel as of Monday. Okay. So, no, sorry. No, fully vaccinated people are the only people allowed to still fly in. Yeah. So you have to be vaccinated oh, to come in right. from overseas, but unvaccinated people can come in interstate. Yep. So, but it's fully quarantine-free travel interstate, and vaccinated people can come in quarantine-free travel from international. Yep. There is literally no group that is specified that would need to have a quarantine facility as of this week. Yep. And the facility's just opened. So in other words, we've spent all this money to create this facility for no one to go into it. But it gets way better. The deal to build the facility was done with the Wagner family, who are like a very, very powerful, rich family in Queensland. 
And they got the contract to build the facility. But also, in that contract, the way that it works... Now, I don't know if the Wagner family fronted any money. I would assume not. It's taxpayer funded, but the actual contract itself is commercial and confidence. So I've mentioned this before. We will never see the details mm. for, of this contract. We will never know how much taxpayer money was funneled into this project. But we've paid for it to be built. The company, the Wagner's Corporation or whatever the company is that, that it's under, in the deal, they're, they're leasing it back to the Queensland government for 12 months. Mm -hmm. So we paid to build it. Then they're going to lease it back to us. So we're going to pay to lease it for 12 months for quarantine purposes. And then they take full ownership over it as a private entity. And they're going to be using it for whatever, whether it's entertainment precinct or accommodation, whatever they, they end mm. up using it for. But it sounds like a pretty bad deal for the Queensland taxpayer. What did I say when we first heard about this facility being built? Well, it's dodgy. Like, we... we no, well, what... The, what I do don't you remember exactly specifically I'll tell what you, you exactly what I said. What'd you say? Because I, I, I called this ages ago. I knew we would never use it. Yep. And I knew because it was government money, no one would care mm. because we can quite happily squander mm. tens of millions of dollars mm -hmm. on a project that will just fall by the wayside. And I said that if it was a private company that had done it off their own bat they would want measures in place to protect them mm -hmm. to make sure that it was lucrative benefit uh, lucru like like it was beneficial mutually beneficial yeah <clears throat> but if it was a government sanctioned thing mm -hmm. i said at the time it was a good thing because it was giving people hope that we've done stuff in the future mm. tick yeah 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 but knowing the way that it was going to go it was going to be completely wasted yeah and we knew we called the late last year, probably mid to late last year when they first announced the project, like, that no one's going to be using this for quarantine. Like, at the time, they were full on on the vaccine rollout saying that the vaccine was going to solve all, mm. solve all of our problems. So we just sort of called bullshit and were like, so if the vaccine's going to solve our problems by the end of the year, which is what they were claiming, then why would we build a quarantine facility that won't be available until the next year? Yeah. What would be the point of that? Yeah. And... What's so interesting about this whole story is obviously it just sounds dodgy at face value. You've made the point a million times. We haven't built any hospitals. Yeah. We're, we're claiming that we've got this massive surge in cases and issues with the healthcare system. And that is true. Like it, but it, we've done nothing to bolster We've done nothing to bolster that. Like China, what, they build a new hospital in the first two months? Two weeks. Oh, two weeks, yeah. Two weeks from... Um, there's there's uh, footage of them building it. They've yeah. built a hospital in two weeks. Yeah. We fired healthcare workers and didn't build a hospital, but we're building two quarantine facilities. And it just reeks of bureaucratic... Like, I don't want to make any any uh, assumptions that anything criminal has gone on, but to me it just seems like a really bad deal for the taxpayer because it essentially looks like we have spent however many millions of dollars, because you know it's going to be in the millions, to build a facility that we will never get the intended use out of and then a private company will take over that and be able to use it for its own financial gain. I think you're looking at it the wrong way. Everything, most things that government do are a waste of taxpayer money. Yep. Most things. Most projects they can't do properly. The biggest problem with this whole thing is that they had one response to COVID mm -hmm. and that was it. Yep. And that as the science changed and as the efficacy waned very quickly, mm -hmm. the, the uh, 
business model became um, unviable, mm. and we've done nothing to change it. But let we've me not ask, steered the course at all. Let me ask you this, because we've always said forever that government sucks at running any project. Everything runs over schedule, over budget. Mm-hmm. They just suck at it, and it's because they're all dumb. I, I'm starting, it's not dumb. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder how much of it is mismanagement and how much of it is purposeful mismanagement. It's not purposeful mismanagement. I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. Our system allows it to be... The, our, our government system allows projects to be exploited by the public sector. Yeah. So I have no problems with Wagner's doing that deal that massively benefits them mm-hmm. because they got away with it. Yeah. They got someone to sign up yep. to, to do that deal. Mm-hmm. Good on them. Mm. Okay. There are... Whenever government bureaucracy gets involved, it gets exploited because there's no consequence mm. from the person on the government side mm-hmm. if they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. If you make a bad deal, there's an endless pit of money. Yep. It, it's irrelevant. The number is irrelevant. Mm. So that's why like, you know, a road project that's private is $5 million. Yeah. A council job's $20 million. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just, it, it's, it's, it's exploited because it can be. Yeah, but so can I clarify? I've got no drama with this from the Wagner mm. Corporation side. Because they're just doing what a business does. If you can get yourself the best plum deal ever, yeah. you would be stupid not to take yeah. advantage of it. What I'm saying is, are there incentives for the government people signing off on these projects outside of what we believe there is? And the reason why I bring this up now is because of we got to go back to Sludgate. So I've been exchanging messages with the former uh, CEO and owner of iCook Foods, Ian Cook, about... The whole floodgate situation. We are planning on having them on the podcast when we can sort out a time that suits everyone, which we're very excited about because yeah. it's, it, it's it's one of the biggest stories that not enough people know about. Yep. And essentially, what it looks like has happened in what what the goal was for the government who created Community Chef as their competitor was to get rid of every competitor that Community Chef had, and iCook Foods was the last one left that ran the longest. And if they got rid of every competitor, because it was the business model was to supply food to healthcare, aged care, hospital mm. organisations, if you get rid of all the competitors, all of a sudden, Community Chef would become an essential business and would then get unlimited funding forever. Mm. And Community Chef was funded to the tune of $30 million over 10 years, and that business lost money every single year. Mm-hmm. Now, that losing money at face value looks like mismanagement, the typical government mismanagement. Mm-hmm. But when you look into it deeper, you go, is it government mismanagement or have there been dodgy deals done by the government people who've organised it in the first place where some of that money is getting funnelled to their mates and back to them? Uh, for sure. Yeah. 100% that's happening and it is that is what mismanagement is. I don't think... Well, no, because mis... Like, I think there's a perception issue, and this might be just in my head the way that yeah. I look at it. But the way I, when I hear government sucks at all the projects, I hear that it's government gets taken for a ride by private business because they don't know what they're talking about. That's the way that I, I perceive it at face value. Right. But then the more you look into things like Slugate, which is a clear out and out corruption, and it's going to court next month. Yeah. So it'd be amazing to see what the results happen from that. 
but there's clearly corruption at many different levels of government, you go, okay, what's the incentive for the people who are involved at the highest levels? What is their incentive to do those Yeah, projects? see, I categorise that all as mismanagement because allowing a business to be uh, corrupt, have corrupt deals in it, mm-hmm. is mismanagement. So I, I see what you're saying. It's, it's, it's not purely based on in corruption. In my head, it's corruption, not mismanagement. But, but a, a government entity or, or, or a, a business that allows that kind of corruption to happen is being mismanaged. Yeah, that, so but that's why in, there, I think there's a difference between intentionally mismanaging and non-intentionally mismanaging because you don't know what you're doing. So, you, oh no, so, are so you if you're a corrupt person... Are you claiming that it, it is built purely as a cash cow? Yes, yeah. because if you're a corrupt person, the easiest excuse to, loo- to lose money, in quotation marks, in a government business is that government sucks at everything. Because everyone has that perception. Yeah. So if you were savvy, you would go, all right, I'm going to start this business. It's going to lose... Like Community Chef, for example, like I think I've said before, let's say that they just did a deal with a supplier of beef and they go, okay, so normally when we supply bulk beef, it's 20 or $10 a kilo. And you go, cool, because we're the government, we've got an unlimited cash cow of taxpayer money, we'll pay you $20 a kilo for your beef you take the extra an extra $5 a kilo and you funnel an extra $5 a kilo back to me. 100%. How does that right. sound? Yeah. And that's the thing. So that's corruption, whereas mismanagement in that situation to me would be that private business owner who sells the beef goes has the negotiation with government and goes, we the standard price that we charge everyone is $20 a kilo and that government person doing no research and going, oh, sounds fair to me, signing up mm-hmm. and the private business has taken them for a ride. Mm. There's probably a lot of that happening as well, though. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's both. It's, it's definitely both. Yeah, agree. And, and look, I, I would like to ask him that, that question. Do I think, because my concern as a small business owner is when governments are going to get involved in, in private enterprise, yeah. uh, is this a trend? Is this, are they going to start, you know, are they going to start issuing um, auto boats competitors and, mm. and have state-issued used car sales? You know, yeah. it sounds ridiculous, but it also... You know, these things that, that we're in now are ridiculous too. Yeah, but to circle back to where, where this started was this um, this world camp. I think it's what you said at the, at the opening of this is really important. We need to keep an eye on it. Yeah. We need to keep an eye on... on and we should be savvy with our spending too. Like when I, I've tipped a couple of guys during the week who just want free money because mm-hmm. they've been hard up by COVID. Mm. You don't want free money. You just no. want the ability to run your business. That's right. That's the important part. Mm-hmm. So fight that. Don't just say, gimme, 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 because yeah. you're paying it. It's, it's your It's exactly money. the same as the Novak argument. Everyone's pissed off at Novak because the government and the media has taught them that the reason why there's, that this is an issue is because Novak did the wrong thing. Mm. But no, that's not the issue. The issue is the ridiculous government rules that we've been forced to live under for two years. And because everyone's heard that whole saying about... Crabs in a crab pot. Mm. If you've got eight crabs sitting in a crab pot, they're all they're going to be happy, kind with each other. As long as there's food in there, they'll be sweet. But as soon as one crab tries to swim out the hole, other crabs reach up, grab and pull yep. them back in. It's exactly what what like Australia's always had tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. So all the government goes is tap into that. Oh, the only reason why um, that Novak thing is an issue is because he's rich, so he gets different rules to you. Yeah. You should be upset about that. No. You should be upset about the fucking rules. Yeah. The rules are the problem, not Novak Djokovic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, like, it's a week later. He's in court again because they've tried to cancel his visa for a second time. So, pff, fucking, let's see what happens with that. I just think, I just think we look like a... The government's trying to 
play a strong stance on it. Yeah. And we look dumb. I heard the argument the other day. I couldn't believe it. A, a media pundit had said, this is a really good thing for Australia's tourism industry. Yeah. Because it shows it's a safe place to travel to. Because we're so strong on vaccination. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds crazy. It's ludicrous. We now, do you, know what, do you know what it shows? We'll say, tell you that you can come into our country and then we'll change our minds when you get here. Yeah. And based on not... We, we, our government doesn't respect the rule of law because the court threw the government's case out and then they've just gone, oh, you know what? Hey, this the immigration minister, he's got special powers. He can just use them to cancel the visa yeah. if he wants to. And now we're cutting off our nose to spite our face because I'm pretty sure that the ministerial powers that they're using means that Novak would be banned for three years. Yeah. So... Last year, the Australian Open was farcical. Now, we never should have run it in the first place. I credit running the Australian Open with the Delta wave that hit Melbourne yeah. because all the, all the cases had petered off um, by late 2020. Yeah. Then we have the Australian Open, again, letting people come into the country. Yep. Then all of a sudden, Melbourne starts getting this Delta wave. Yep. But it was farcical last year. It's a complete farce this year. We're literally fucking around with the best player in the world. Yeah. In, in a Grand Slam showpiece event. We have booted multiple other players out of the country now, which only happened after the Novak yeah. thing teed off. So in other words, Border Force didn't stop any of these other people at the border like they did with Novak. Yep. But all these other people, I'd never heard them in the media for the last two months speaking about anti-vax shit. Yeah. But they, none of them were vaccinated because yeah. they're here on the same exemption. Yeah. So we've rounded them up and kicked them out. So now we're kicking players out. So do you think that we're going to hold on to the Australian Open? I don't think we should. Because why would you take the risk? If you're the World Tennis Tour, why would you go, oh, fuck, it's 2023. Are we going back to Australia? What are they going to pull this year? Think about what it's worth for Novak. What, what's Novak's net worth? $100 million, $200 I think million? it's $200 and something million. Dollars. So what, what do you think it's worth to him to be locked up for how long? Is it half a week now? Well, he was let out uh, last... So, Fairly quickly. I think he's let out after like 24, 48 hours because it, because he's got the means to go to court straight away. Yeah. And it obviously shone the light on the refugee situation too, which will oh, hold up in the same hotel. And there's one guy that's been there for nine fucking years. That's crazy. And, and it's so funny too how there's, there's these activists, we'll call them, who are also pro-vax, but they're also like pro-refugee. So they're like, yeah, like, you know, I'm like, Novak should leave because if he's not on back, he's putting everyone in danger. He broke our rules. Kick him out. And then it's like, yeah, you know, there's like a whole stack of refugees in the same thing. And they're like, uh, uh, they were seeking asylum. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. They entered the country uh, illegally. Same yeah. as Novak did. Yeah. Should we just deport all of them too? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like it's, does not compute. Does I not just want compute. to put my stance on the uh, refugee thing. Yeah. We've got heaps of space. Yep. And we've been dropping bombs on, on countries that we weren't supposed to be dropping bombs uh-huh. on. And if any of those people want to come here, I think we should we should be uh, op- uh, welcome them with open arms. Yeah, and uh, they've been getting those taxpayer-funded handouts that our mates seem to want because the taxpayer's been funding those hotels. It's not like they've had jobs for the last nine years that they're working to pay off the mm. uh, refugee hotel stay. Why don't we just let them out and let them go and work in all these like fruit fields or whatever that everyone, all the farms are crying out saying that they don't have enough labour to actually pick the crops because we haven't had any immigration for the and last... And because we've been handing out free money and there's no incentive to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, wild times. Oh, it's absolutely wild times. There was a story I was supposed to talk about, and I didn't do any research on it last night because I went to bed at like eight o'clock. So yeah. I, I apologize. I want to come back to it. There's some crazy stuff happening in the markets, and yep. um, I'll come back to you next week. Uh, do we? Can we briefly mention the uh, DARPA document dump and yeah. potential origins of SARS-CoV two? It's not bad salad. It wasn't a bad suit. It, yeah. Look, it's really it's 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 tough to say. Can I, I want to without... make a, I want to make a joke. Yeah. Won't it be freaking hilarious if in years' time, like the footage comes out of the guy going for lunch to the wet market, but walking back to the Wuhan <laughs> Institute of Virology and sitting in the lunch room, cutting <laughs> <laughs> over the bat. Sneezing, <laughs> and that this kicks it off. Wouldn't that be yeah hilarious? Yeah, it would be. It won't happen. Though. <laughs> yeah. So, the COVID origin story. Now, this is obviously where big tech censorship really, really kicked off hardcore uh, in twenty twenty. Lab leak hypothesis and all that jazz. Now, some Project Veritas. They've been doing some amazing work mm. in the last two years. Think about the stuff that Project Veritas yeah. has brought to light in the last two years. And one one fun fact about Project Veritas, because everyone who doesn't like the things they have to say paints them as a right-wing uh, fringe element group who uh, selectively edits all of their footage to paint a certain narrative. They've been sued millions of times. Yeah. Slight exaggeration, but they've been sued... Tens of times, yeah. they've what? never lost a court case, yeah. not once, because they don't selectively edit things. They, one of the things that they came into the public sphere with last year was when the FBI raided them because Biden's daughter's uh, diary ended up in their hands, and they tried to claim that Project Veritas had stolen this diary. Mm-hmm. What all the news stories failed to mention was the fact that the diary was obtained by someone else and handed to Project Veritas. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the government knew about it was because Project Veritas handed it back to them because they couldn't verify that the document was real, like a real document, mm-hmm. and they didn't think it was the right thing to do to run a story on it. So they handed it back, and then the FBI raided them trying yeah, to yeah. pretend, right? Because they're right-wing, and obviously the Democrats are in power in America at the moment. Now, what they, the bombshell that they dropped this week was about uh, documents obtained from DARPA. Now, it's, they're the, it's basically the research and science arm of the defense force yep. in America. And what these documents suggest, and it lines up with a lot of things that have been previously written about, is that EcoHealth Alliance back in 2018 approached DARPA with a grant proposal to receive funding for a gain-of-function experiment they were trying to run to create, essentially, SARS-CoV-2 as a biological weapon. And DARPA rejected the proposal because it was seen as too dangerous and, obviously, there was the gain-of-function moratorium at the time. So it would have gone against that, even though the head of Eco Health Alliance, who is Peter Dajek, said that it wouldn't. He yeah. asserted that it wouldn't go against the ban. Now, the documents seem to suggest that Eco Health Alliance then took this grant to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who wanted to do the experiments, 
So he funded it, but it had to obviously go to China because of you, you can't know, do the it, band. Yeah. Although there were sites in America too that were listed that right. they were doing these experiments as well. And Fauci funded the experiment. And then now, all of a sudden, two, we're two years into a global pandemic that's been thrust upon us by SARS-CoV-2, which has a spike protein, which is, uh, it appears to be engineered to perfectly fit the like human a ACE2 receptor cell. Mm. Obviously explosive allegations, and it just adds more and more weight to the uh, lab leak hypothesis mm-hmm. because, I mean, these documents predate the pandemic and are literally talking about spike proteins and yep. everything like that. So it's, it's, it's heavy. Now, if you want to get... Do you want to go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole with this stuff? Only lightly. I just want to look through the top of the rabbit hole. Here's the interesting thing for me when you really, really look at it. Because I'm, I'm still of the opinion that it was an accidental leak, not a... Uh, bioweapon. Per- not was a bioweapon yeah, that was sure. purposely leaked. Yeah. And in these DARPA documents, they do seem to suggest that uh, one of the things they were trying to do in Wuhan at the time was actually create a coronavirus which acted like a vaccine to inoculate bats against a certain coronavirus so it wouldn't then... Transmit to humans. Well, batception. Yeah, right? So it's like the opposite. So you're saying that the bats are going to administer the vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They try to train bats to administer the vaccine? Yeah. Um, that's why they, they pre-programmed us with the, the vampire phase of the 2010s. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have come to administer your <laughs> First ever vampire. One shot not... or two. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> um... But one of the things that is is very uh, cagey about this whole thing is the, with the Moderna vaccine, the Moderna vaccine is actually co-owned by the National Institutes of Health and the National mm. Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, which is where Fauci, what Fauci runs in America. Because as we've mentioned before, the, the mRNA technology was created using publicly funded research mm-hmm. So that was that technology was owned per se by the National Institute of Health, who then shared it with Moderna. In return, they have co-ownership of the Moderna vaccine. So, Dr. Fauci has got his hands on the vaccine maker and a commercial part commercial ownership, uh, and has also funded the research on the other side of it to create the virus in the first place. Yep. So, if you wanted to get conspiratorial and think that it was a money-making endeavour, you could think that perhaps it was released on purpose to then have these vaccines ready to go to sell. Potentially. Who knows? Because Fauci was included on both sides of the Uh, I I get that, but my conspiratorial mind would say that it's more likely it's a bioweapon test than it was a a money cash grab, and opportunists have since made money yeah, which is interesting too in the in regards to Omicron, because there's another theory that's come out about Omicron, which is that these are thought experiments. These people. are thought experiments. Yeah, this is this is not. We're not saying that this is real. These are thought experiments. These are these are some of the theories flying around the internet. And since the the conspiracy theorists are like leading about twenty nil at the moment, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we're just we're just putting them out in the marketplace, yeah, right? In, yeah. in the the. We're throwing them out into the air of public discourse and ideas yep. so everyone can discuss them. The idea market. The idea market. 
because some of these might be bad ideas. But the theory is with, with Omicron, because Omicron seems to be giving people mild disease, but some form of immunity mm. from COVID overall. And there are some conspiracy theorists out there who are stating that perhaps this was a, an experiment, whether it was... It looks like it could usher in multiple things that would be potentially beneficial if you were, I guess, an elite person trying to run the world. Yeah. Number one, the virus mainly attacks old people. We've got an aging population crisis. So if yeah. you can thin the herd by mainly thinning old people out who are not producers, mm-hmm. they are consumers, maybe that's a positive thing. Number two, there's the industries that have been created along the way, like the vaccines, like the testing companies. Yeah. They've made a bucket load along the way, so that's a maybe. Yeah, they're called verticals. Yeah. Create multiple businesses to to address a particular thing. Yeah, yeah. So it could be a potential side effect as well. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things that are out there about you know. Oh, and obviously the, the third thing would be the digital identity and uh, social credit score system. Yeah. Because. One of the interesting conspiracy theories from the beginning was everyone was like, oh, there's a microchip in the vaccines. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then all the people came out and were like, that's stupid. They're not putting a uh, microchip inside you to track you. But every vaccine's got a batch number on it that's recorded against your digital vaccine passport identification. So instead of having a microchip inside your arm, you've now got it inside your mobile phone. Uh, what about the patent? You can... <laughs> okay, I don't want to... Right. Okay, take this with a grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, take this with a grain of poo. <laughs> yeah. But apparently Pfizer has just patented and put, placed a patent. Now, this is very common practice. All businesses do it. Any IP that you have, yeah. you make something up, you go get a patent against it so that if yeah. you use it in the future, you can use it uninhibited, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a very standard practice. Mm-hmm. But in this latest batch that Pfizer just did, they wanted to patent the idea of being able to rem- remotely, uh, uh, was it identify or contact trace people mm-hmm. by accessing the information from the vaccine inside a person. Is that right? Uh, yeah, and this this is this, this is, is mental. Okay, this is the out there thing which relates to five G and graphene oxide. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not going down that one yet. Yeah, based, based the they put an idea down where like they effectively want to do the microchip thing. Yeah, there there are experiments that um, Greg Hunt's brother because he's a scientist as well at some university, that have they've actually conducted where they've injected rats with substances with graphene oxide inside them, and you can actually use 5G radio waves to change, like make certain parts of their brain fire, yeah. potentially change behaviours. But we're not going down that way. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. So, like and subscribe. Yeah, so getting back to... Put your conspiracy theories to the Omicron in the comments. So, so obviously with COVID... Those are the things that could be potential benefits. Killing off an, an older aging population, so you've got less consumers, more producers, because it doesn't affect the young people as much. You bring in the uh, digital identity and then potentially the social credit score system, which for anyone who hasn't heard about social credit score, they actually use a system in China. So at the moment in Australia, we've got credit scores, which is just based on how well you pay your current bills. Yeah. So when you go to try to get a mortgage to buy a house, 
your interest rate now is based on your credit history and how how likely you are to pay the, the loan back. Well, China has gone to a thing called a social credit score, which essentially means that you will have you be given a score based on your family, like yeah. what stock your family how, comes from, essentially how, how educated good a you are, person you are, how many tickets you've had in your life, yep. yeah, uh, how far you drive your car, what your carbon footprint is, like yeah. all of these things will play into it, which again is a pretty terrifying idea because if you've got one central entity going, okay, we've got everyone on, on boarded with this program, well now I'm going to put the squeeze on. So now these people who fit this criteria sort of like the Canada thing with being unvaccinated we're going to put an extra fee on them because Mm. they're using more carbon they're you know like Mm. it's a bad idea yeah it's a bad idea so COVID has sort of brought in this system where people are now comfortable to have an app on their phone that they have to scan in every single place that they go which is then that programming thing of stepping you towards the next level yeah which we already had in Australia because you started with QR codes to do contact tracing and then you went to QR codes to do vaccine passports. Yeah. So it was a step. And now we don't even do contact tracing. But they still want you to sign in. Still want you to sign in. Yeah. So obviously there's a social conditioning thing there. But getting back to my original point, Omicron may have actually have been the kill switch to this program. Well, we've spoken about this Mm. last year. Yeah. And we had, I, I, I think I had predicted, and if there's anyone that can remember the episode number, because I'm not going to go back through them all, but I'm sure I said that it was built, like, let, let's say it was genetically engineered, send it out, mm-hmm. see what the result is, yeah. have the antidote ready to go. The, yeah. uh, uh, I think it was after I watched Mission, Mission Impossible 2, because right. that was that, that premise. Yeah. Chimera and the something, the... the there was the, 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 the deadly one, yeah. and then there was the antidote to it. Yeah. And the, effectively the premise of that movie. And yeah. so it was, it was not unreasonable to think that we've designed the cure for it. Mm. Um, we can run all these tests on the way through, mm-hmm. and then, okay, all right, we've had enough now. Let's pull the trigger on yeah. the, the other one that's in the brain. And what, what you need to consider when it comes to this is, let's say that it was just purely based on making money out of vaccines. Well... We can, we've seen over the past few months that the narrative around vaccines and their effectiveness has completely started to fall, fall over. So, obviously, if you have a really strong business model like this, you want to be able to do it more than once. Yeah. To be able to do it more than once, you need people to continue to trust the authorities who've told them everything to do for the last two years. So, if everyone's gone out, gotten fully vaccinated plus boosted, and then... The, they're still getting COVID and dying from COVID, the trust has started to diminish already. Yeah. So the idea is that Omicron is that fail-safe kill switch for COVID in itself. They had that ready to go. They've realised that they're losing control. All right, we're going to shut it down. So you release Omicron. Ever, it spreads real quick because, I mean... What are they called? Seven? Uh, it's a seven on the... Like for every one person that like gets the a seven... Like not number? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which if you look at uh, like friends who've gotten it, like it's just gone through our friendship circle. Yeah. I haven't had it yet. I'm still, you don't know that still clean. You could be, I've, I've probably had Tasha it. showed zero symptoms, not yeah. once. Yeah, that's true. But it's an interesting theory because obviously now that Omicron's going through, we've got such high vaccinations rate, vaccination rates that the claim the whole time has been, oh, the reason why we're... It's so transmissible, but we're having these good outcomes is because everyone's vaccinated. So mm. how good did the, did the system work? And then 
obviously, if you keep that trust with people and this thing dissipates, well, we'll we'll focus on something else for two years. Yeah. It's probably gonna be climate change. It'll be climate change. We'll focus on for two years. And then maybe the next pandemic will come around. Yeah. And then same thing. And it's what I find fascinating about, again, going back to the psychology thing, these tricks have been run many times before. Mm. And the only thing that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Yeah. And people are so... We've been programmed, again, to focus on the here and now. We're an instant gratification generation. And, you know, from... Our society is all about instant gratification. Everything's instant. We've got Afterpay, Uber Eats, the internet, social media. We get dopamine hits from everywhere yeah. that we can we can possibly look and you get them instantly. And even if you can't afford something, you can just buy it now and pay it off later. Yeah. So you can instantly enjoy it now. And we're so focused on the here and now, the here and now, the here and now. We forget the lessons of the past and we, we forget about setting up the proper future. Yeah. And think of the things that have been shoehorned into society over the last two years, which are going to affect the future. No one, not enough people are thinking about that stuff. Yeah. And buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin, absolutely. But it is a, it is a fascinating uh, theory to to throw out there. Feel free to put it in the comments below, even though I know you won't. <laughs> about what are your thoughts are on it, and uh, should we wrap it up there? We'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Stay safe. We'll see you next RDA.